0: Last week I explained what I believe about uh, a mature Christian and we saw the scripture actually says that a mature Christian is somebody that looks at the finished work of Jesus Christ and that he just walks in that and believes that and continually beholds that as Christ brings forth the fruit of the Spirit and eternal life in him. Now I'm going to look at the same passages again but we're going to add in James chapter 1, and we might have time to look at James chapter 2. Now, uh, I've had three or four people ask me and say to me, Bertie, but what about James, uh, uh, mature Christianity, and uh, saying that a mature Christian is somebody that uh, have got the works, uh, good works, you know, and that an immature Christian is somebody that is still looking at the gospel, but he's got the fruit of the flesh, and a mature one is somebody who does good works. Uh, And we're going to look at that. And we're going to look at at, at it and to see, is it true? And if it be true, why would it be true? And if it's not, we're going to see why it is not. So let us just um, (coughs) read from Hebrews here. We're going to look at Hebrews chapter 5, and I'm going to read from verse 7. It says, Who in the days of his flesh when he had offered up prayers and supplications with strong crying and tears unto him that was able to save him from death and was hurt in that he feared, though he was a son, yet he learned obedience by the things he suffered. And being made perfect, he came, became the author of, salvation, of eternal salvation unto all them that obey him. Uh, called of God the high priest after the order of Melchizedek, of whom we have many things to say, and hard to be uttered, seeing that you are dull in hearing. Seeing that you are dull in hearing. Very important that word dull there comes from the root word bastard. So he's saying to them that you are hearing like bastards. You are hearing like people that uh, uh, don't see God as your legitimate father. You are listening from a different perspective and that's why It is very difficult for me to explain to you the things about the order of Melchizedek and eternal salvation and the resurrection and those kind of things. It's very difficult for him to explain the order of Melchizedek. It's very difficult for him to explain these things. Then he goes on, he says, um, and I found that myself. I found it's difficult sometimes to explain that. It says, "For, uh, for when, for the time you ought to be teachers, yet have need that one teach you again, which be the first principles of the oracles of God, and are become such as have need of milk and not strong meat. For everyone that is unskilled in the word of righteousness, uh, excuse me, verse 13, for everyone that uses milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. But strong meat belongs to them that are of full age, even those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. Now, uh, the Apostle Paul comes and he writes to the people in Hebrews here, and I want to explain to you the context of the people in Hebrews, or the Hebrew people. He's writing to people that believed in the Lord Jesus and was uh, flooded with the goodness of God and the life of God and the powers of the world to come and so forth, and they believed in Jesus, and then through a lot of persecution and difficult times, and them losing their money and business, and whatever goes with being rejected by a group of people, uh, they suffered. They suffered from their own brethren, and they suffered from uh, they suffered under Rome. They were really suffering, especially the Christians that were put out of the synagogue and the Christians that was rejected because they believed in Jesus. And you must remember, in those days, if you were rejected, they wouldn't eat with you, meaning they would not do business with you, and you would be an outcast. And might be your own family that cast you out. might be your own mother and father that pushes you away, which was very, very difficult. And some of these folks started to fall back into Judaism and into the law. And the Apostle Paul, or the writer of the book of Hebrews, Came and he wanted to teach them even more about the Old Testament uh, prophets and what the salvation message actually is all about. But then they came to a point where it was difficult for them to understand what the Apostle Paul was preaching. Um, because he, he laid a foundation, uh, he laid the foundation of uh, righteousness by faith. He ra- laid the foundation of Uh, repentance from dead works where people knew that the law system and trying to be saved by your works that is called dead works he laid the foundation of the resurrection wherein he said to them there will be a resurrection and he tried to explain to them what this resurrection is all about he explained to them there will be an end time judgment and he spoke all these things from beginning to end he explained the foundation of it all and now what he would want them to have is, uh, he wants them to believe all these things, so that they, from this belief and this heart, that is flooded with this good news, that from that perspective they can go and look at Melchizedek, and they could go and look at other things in the scriptures. But on the contrary, these Jewish people went and mixed uh, Christianity in with Judaism again. And when they mixed this in, as Paul said in another place, that it veils you. It veils you. I think 2 Corinthians 3, it's when you, by the reading of the law, you are veiled. You cannot see. Your glory cannot be seen, and you cannot see who you are, neither can you see properly, because there's a veil in front of your face. So, uh, what he was saying to them is that, you are actually now back at a place, where you are in need, that I tell you, the law is fulfilled and all these kind of things. But if you've been at a place where you could believe that the law is fulfilled and you could look at the fulfillment of the law, then you could have the wisdom of that, you could have the, that knowledge and the wisdom it brings in everyday life. And that is what he, what he wanted. You know, just... Um, uh, during the communion my mother-in-law is here with us uh, in uh, living with us and she asked me she says, you know when we think of uh, everything Jesus has done I mean basically how does it pertain to everyday life because if we just wait and rest upon the Lord you know what about ev- ev- things we do every day I think that is what the apostle Paul was talking about as well he was saying that listen you ha- you ought to have been teachers by now and you, would have, you should have used this word of righteousness and you should have been so skilled in this word of righteousness that from this word the gospel will bring forth the life it promises in us every day. You know the greatest thing about the gospel and what Christ has come to do is Christ w- wants to live his life in us and that means that as we see that we are innocent and continue to see that we are innocent and then grab the innocence message and make use of it in everyday life we will find that that message of innocence will bring forth a change of belief not just a change of belief in what we believe about God because that's the foundational things what we believe about God but it will bring a change of belief in how to deal with things in everyday life. It will bring a change of belief in how to think about people that has not even believed upon the Lord, or people next to you or close to you. To give an example, uh, this morning I went to our local church, Uh, I didn't preach there, I just attended the service, and there was a man that testified, and I think it was four weeks ago, I prayed for him and also prayed for uh, some of his family members, and uh, he had uh, osteoporosis. I think. or What can you remember what it was? Um, of Of his back, in his back, and uh, it. I mean, it is incurable, and he would just have this back pain for so long. And they said to him, they gave him some pills and said, you know, we're going to have to do an operation. Just give it a bit of time and let's just see what happens. But we will have to do an op, and they will have to schedule when this operation would be, and they came, and and I prayed for him, as well as for one of his family members, and this guy uh, had a very rare blood disease, and they um, did an operation on him, and when they opened him up, they wanted to put a new piece of vein in the main artery, between the heart and the kidneys, or something like that, and... Um, and then they realized that that was not actually a problem, but he's got cancer over his kidneys. And uh, so we prayed for him in the church, and both of those people are completely healed. Now, how, I mean, they testi- uh, he testified about that today in church. So to me, what I see is the only thing, and when I prayed for them, this was what was in my heart. I didn't come and... Beg God to heal the person. I didn't come and try through uh, visualization to bring forth the the force of God to change this person or anything like that. Um, All I did, and I remember when I prayed for him, I said, Thank you, Father, that you have said that we can go, that these signs shall follow those that believe. Believe what? Believe in the resurrection. What is the resurrection? The resurrection is one of the foundational doctrine messages here. It's called the foundational doctrine. So what did I do? I believe in the resurrection and signs of this immortal life shall be shown in the earth and these people were healed. And those healings are just a sign that God has got the power to conquer sin, and conquer death, and that he has done it, and will bring forth that immortality in us, so what happens is that, um, as I looked upon the basic principles of the gospel, which I never would take out of my eyes, and out of my mind, I will continue to look at that all the time, as you look at that, you find that it starts to shape your life, and it starts to bring forth power from that truth, now, um, when the script, when Paul says, "Let us move on unto perfection" in chapter six, he's not saying let's move away from the basic principles. What he is actually saying is, let us make use of the basic principles. You know, and 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 we need to see that. Let us just look at that passage in uh, chapter five, verse thirteen and fourteen. It says, "But everyone that uses milk, is un." skillful in the word of righteousness for he is a babe now what is unskillful mean unskillful is very simple like I spoke a bit earlier in the service in this message I said when we look at the um, at, at my life and how I grew up my dad had many skills and I learned these skills and when you acquire a skill then you can go and do something Uh, with that and you can make use of that skill if I can do welding you know I can use that skill and make use of it all the time and the more I make use of it the more skilled I become in this and here he comes and he says that he who is a babe is unskillful in the word of righteousness meaning that word, skillful there means to use or to make use of it is people that don't make use of the word of righteousness they are making use of the law and uh, they, they're living in works righteousness. They don't want and they're unskillful. They have not grabbed a hold of and made use of the true message of our innocence and our righteousness and how much he loves us. Now listen to what it says here. But he but strong meat belongs to them that are of full age, even those who by reason of use have their senses exercised both to discern good and evil. So Paul comes and he says, you know what, I must actually feed you milk. I must still feed you and tell you that it's not about your works, it's not about all those kind of things. But I actually want to feed you meat, which is, I want to explain to you what the order of Melchizedek is and what that means but I see that you are still in need of milk and I cannot come with the revelation of what this order is all about, which was eternal life uh, and uh, talking about the hope of the resurrection and how that would bring forth life in us today. You wanted to talk about that, but people couldn't understand that. And I see that there's a, st- there's a stumbling block today um, even in the message of the resurrection by a misunderstanding chapter 6 here let us read read chapter 6 again it says therefore leaving the principles of the doctrine of Christ now what it means is let us not be under the law anymore that is all it means where we have no clue about faith righteousness where we are still believing in circumcision and all those kind of things He says, therefore, leaving the principles of the doctrine of Christ, let us move on to perfection, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works, of faith towards God, of the doctrine of baptisms, of the laying on of hands, and of the resurrection of the dead, and of eternal judgment. Now, uh, some would say, you know, since that is a foundational doctrine there, we are not allowed to speak about the resurrection, or if you preach about the resurrection, or if you preach about any of these things, it means that you, that is baby food, that is baby food, Uh, and and we should not talk about that, now the way I see that he, was talking about the resurrection there, he was telling people that there will be a resurrection, but when we look at the other letters, that was written by the Apostle Paul, he was giving strong meat to them, in explaining to them, uh, how to have a life in this world, where your faith is, about that resurrection and he preached about the resurrection he preached about the baptisms in all of his letters where he even spoke to mature people like in uh, Colossa the Colossians he wrote them and he said to them I see you understand all these things but I want this wisdom to become a common wisdom in everyday life now and that is what this is all about so please let us not get to the place where we say, well, there must be deeper things. And I found some people go move into deeper things, and when they move into deeper things, they're actually becoming a bit weird. You know, and they get doctrines of demons and doctrines of devils and how the devil can bind you and and the five steps unto a breakthrough and uh, people come with visions and dreams and saying, God has shown me this and that and whatever, which is completely and I'm not saying we can't have that, but I'm talking about visions and dreams that's outside of the simple love of God. And people think these are the, these guys know the deeper things of God. You know, and, and, and they're close to God, They, they the deeper things. Um, and manifestations of the Holy Spirit, the deeper things of God. And we confuse what Paul was actually saying. And what he was saying is, you guys that are in need of milk are those who apply the law and now I need to preach to you the basic doctrines again. Let us move away from the place where you are in need that I should preach the basic doctrines to you but let us then make use of the basic doctrines and that means to move on to this perfection. Right, so let us go to James. I don't have more time to spend on that. I want you to just pray and ask God you know, what does that mean? How does that mean? And I, I think, you might say, yeah, how is that applicable to my life? But the only thing I want this message to do is to remove all forms of guilt and condemnation from people that are happy about the fact that their sins are paid for, uh, people that are happy about the fact that there's a resurrection a- 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 awaiting them, people that are happy about the fact that they don't have to live by the law anymore, and that use that every day, and that are actually mature Christians, and now they are being deceived into saying, the things that you're happy about, and the things that produces fruit inside your life, that's just basic milk, and you need to move on to deeper things. I just want to see the church protected in that area, and I want you to understand that. That's why I teach this. Uh, Glory to God. You You know, in our web fellowship, we don't have... Um, I, I don't want to have any people being misled or living in guilt and condemnation. So that's why we're moving away from it. I'm going to read from James. Uh, I'm going to use my phone here. I want to check out some of the words in the Hebrew and in the Greek. Uh, this is what it let us read from James chapter 1. It says, James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the 12 tribes which are scattered abroad, greetings. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into different temptations, knowing that the trying of your faith works patience. But let patience have a perfect work, that you may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, that gives to all men liberally, and abradeth not, and it shall be given to him. But let him ask in faith, nothing wavering, For he that wavers is like a wave of the sea, driven of the wind, and tossed. For let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. And then he goes on, and this is really important, he says, Let the brother of low degree rejoice in his exaltation. Let the rich, in that he is made low, because as the flower of the grass he shall pass away. For the sun is no sooner risen with a burning, but it Um, withers the grass and the flower thereof thereof falls and the grass and the grace of the fashion of it perishes so also shall the rich man fade in what he does then it says blesses the man that endures temptation for when he is tried he shall receive the crown of life which the Lord has promised to them that love him okay now it's 12 verses and let me explain it to you quickly He comes and he says, it ends with receiving the crown of life. What is this crown of life that James is talking about here? It's talking about an immortal life where your life is eternally preserved, like what we've said in the communion. What I communicated in the communion was that if a seed dies and it grows again, it will bring forth seed that looks exactly like it. And I spoke, those of you who missed the communion there, I spoke and I said that Jesus died, and it was the responsibility of God in Christ to bring forth seed that looks just like Jesus, and that would be us. Jesus said, If a seed falls if a seed doesn't fall into the ground and dies, then it remains alone. But if it falls in the ground and dies, then it bears forth much fruit and that much fruit is unto eternal life, preserving their life eternally. Then we see James comes, and we see, let's first go to Hebrews that I read, in Hebrews it even says there, they want to talk about the order of Melchizedek, and the order of Melchizedek is the order, or the platform of immortality, that is what it is, and I found that in the church today, It's very difficult to talk about that because I see people are still in need of milk and they still need to understand the basic things of the gospel but thank God there are also people that are growing and we will preach this and we will see uh, people grow and be established in this good news. Glory to God. But uh, back to the point. Melchizedek, he wants to talk to them about the order of Melchizedek which he actually does later on in chapter 7. He starts to talk about the order of Melchizedek. He says which is the power of an endless life. Now he comes here in James and he says, those of you that endure temptation will be crowned, will receive the crown of life. That is what it is all about, to have eternal life. That is what the gospel, that's the good news. Now, what he says to the people, what James says to the people, speaking to Hebrews again, When he speaks to the Hebrews, he talks about to the 12 tribes that were scattered. And he said to them, If you are being persecuted, or if you are going through temptation and difficult times, know this, that the trustworthiness of your faith shall produce patience. Now, back to Hebrews. He comes and he says, talking about the the basic principles of the gospel, what will those basic principles bring forth? It will bring forth the fruit of the Spirit in our lives. So, those who are mature will by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. In other words, you will come and you will see which is the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and you will veer away from it and you will not stand in a place where you were, where Paul was in Romans 7, where he said, you know, the good that I want to do, I don't want to do it. He says, those who are Mature are those who have taken a hold of the message of grace they've looked into the law of liberation and they've kept in their eyes that it's not by my works they've kept in their eyes that um, I've been baptized into the death of Jesus they've kept into their eyes that the power of the resurrection is the power that works in me today they've kept in their eyes the hope of immortality They've kept in their eyes that God's judgment is against everything that harms me and he will end all death and bring life and immortality to us. They've kept that in their eyes and since they've kept that, th- th- those who are by reason of use, they, ha- they are skillful. And the Greek even talks about continually, continually, it actually talks about a habit in the Greek. It says where you habitually make use of this truth. And as you habitually make use of this truth, you find that this truth brings forth in your life something that your senses, your way of looking at things veers away from the place where you say, uh, where you actually live by the fruit of the law in your life. That is what it talks about. So what Paul said was, the babe is he who doesn't make use of the good news or or the gospel of grace. The mature, those who can understand even more, is those who make use of this. That's the mature. And I've said it last week, and I going to say it to you again. That means, if you are a grace believer, and you firmly stand on the message of grace, and the goodness of Jesus, you are a mature Christian. And you might say, but Bertie, you know, I don't always act mature, I don't always do everything right. Let me tell you this, by reason of use, you will find your senses will be exercised. Your senses will be exercised. Now, that word exercise there actually means to train naked. That is what it means in the Greek, uh, to train naked. So the way I see it is, is I'm willing to stand before the Lord. And I forgot a teaching on that from Colossians, where in Philippians as well, where... We basically say we stand naked before the Lord. We don't try to clothe ourselves by our own works. And we stand in our nakedness. I'm not talking about being clothed with the righteousness of God. As pertaining to the law, we're not clothing ourselves with fig leaves. We, just, we don't want to clothe ourselves with our good works. We stand before the Lord just the way we are. And we stand before Him and we look at the message of righteousness where He loves us the way we are and where He comes and He's taken away our sin. He's taken away everything. And now as we meditate and ponder upon this good news, we find emotions and feelings in our heart coming forth to love on our neighbor, to be good to people. We find a love and a passion inside us where we don't just sit and wait for God to do everything but where God actively lives in us as we wait upon him and we come and we have the ability to discern both good and evil. We know that tree and we're staying away from it and we will be crowned with the crown of life. So um, so this is what James comes and he says here. He says to them, listen guys, and I think this is where we sometimes fall. We, we get tempted and we get tempted when we're drawn away by our own desire. Many times we, we find the desire to vindicate ourselves, Many times we find desire to desire to prove our righteousness or those kind of things. In the case of the people here, people lost money because of believing in the gospel. They lost their jobs, they lost their family, they were going through some difficult times. And James said to them, count the joy when you fall into these things. Now, that has also been taught so wrong. Uh, where it has been said, count the joy when you go through hard times because now God's going to teach you patience. That is not what it says. That is absolutely not what it says. What it says is, if you are facing a hard time, if you are going through difficult times, don't worry about it. You can be happy. Take courage. Be happy because, in the Greek it says, because the trustworthiness of your faith will bring forth patience. Another word for patience means power in that time. So what he's saying is, if you look at your future, if you look at um, bad things that can happen, and let us use basic things that the whole world revolves around. You know, if you look at the stock market, if um, President Trump does something, the moment he does something and it doesn't look good, you, know, you will find the gold price go up, um, many things just go up, where, which are safe havens for money. Why? Because people are afraid. People are afraid, what if I don't have, what if I lose all my money, what if things don't, you know, and you live with that, with that fear in your heart all the time, you've got that anguish, you've got that fear in your heart all the time, I've got fear, I feel afraid, I, I don't know what to do, yeah, I can have the same with our children, what about our children, what if they live or die, what about me, what if I get cancer or not, or get a bad report from the doctor, what about that, This. now Paul comes and he says, listen, or or James, James comes and says, don't worry, about reports like that, because there's, your faith, is so trustworthy, that in that situation, it will bring forth, something called patience, that word patience, is also endurance, or power to withstand, in that moment, that is what he's saying, He was not saying to them, God's bringing the hard times, over them to teach them patience, (laughs) You know, hard times is not the teacher of the church. And now what happens with us is, we as mature Christians, as believers in the gospel, we sometimes come, and like the apostle says, he says, I see that you are mature to the people in in Colossians. He says, but I want... This wisdom that you have to expand unto all wisdom and all knowledge. In other words, I want this truth that you believe and that you are founded in, that you are not in need of milk anymore. You are established in this. But I want this logic to become your logic in everyday life. I want to see that become more and more. It was already there. But he says I want to see more of that in your life. And what happens to us sometimes is we go through difficult times. And as we go through difficult times, we are thinking... This basic principle thing doesn't work. It doesn't work. And uh, we are thinking, I lost my temper there, so I'm not a mature person, so there's something wrong. I must now go into the Bible and read and study more in the Bible to get the deeper things of God. And in doing that, you're actually misled. So what Paul is saying here, he says that if you're going through a difficult time, know this, that the trustworthiness of your faith, the fact that, the the, the the equity of character of what we believe. What do we believe? We believe in the basic principles of the gospel. That's what we believe. That teaching of faith towards God. The Bible talks about that. doesn't mean believe God for car and a house. Faith towards God actually means to believe that God will bring forth my holiness. God will bring forth the fruit of the Spirit. I'm not trusting myself. I'm not trusting my flesh. I'm trusting God. That is what it says. So now, as... As 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 you go through difficult times and you are tempted, you are tempted to prove yourself. Or you're going through difficult time, it, it says by continually believing this truth, this truth will b- manifest patience. So don't worry now. And then he says, and if you need wisdom, if you are in a place where in a difficult time, now he explains how this. This faith will bring, or how this trustworthiness of our faith brings forth patience. He says, This is how it works. You you need advice. You ask God for wisdom. But make sure that you are not double-minded when you ask. Because a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways and will not receive from God. Now, this is what it means. It's very simple. He says, You're going through a difficult time. Now you want to know what must I do in this time? Ask of God and God will show you from these basic principles, from this simple gospel, He will show you in your emotions and in your mind and in your heart what to do. In that day, He will bring it forth. It will become a logic to you. And that is skillful now in the word of righteousness. That's the mature life, the mature Christian, continuing to look at the basic principle and looking at that, having your life established in that, where we're not moving on to weird things. Simply looking at that, and God brings forth and saying, asking wisdom, the way I ask wisdom is this, God, how by the simple message of your love and grace, how will that be applied to my life, in dealing with my son that needs a job, or my, um, my wife that needs a job, or me that needs uh, this or that or whatever or I am being uh, I've got problems with a neighbor or I've got problems what must I do somebody stole my money I'm, what must I do show me and what I would do is I would say Lord show me from these basic principles by working in my heart to will and to do bring a thought to me from that perspective and that's what he does and that's how I live my life that is mature Christianity mature Christianity is what I call simple Christianity. Just believing in the basic principles, not mixing law with grace. And then he comes and he says, James says, if you take, if you double-minded, it means, in the the Greek it talks about double-hearted. You've got a heart that believes in grace, and you've got a heart that believes in the law. And now, with a heart that believes in the law, and a heart that believes in grace, you ask God wisdom. He says, let not such a man think that he will receive from God. He's not saying that God will not give towards that man. He says that that man will not receive from God. He will receive from his mixed mind. God God is never going to withhold from us. He will always love on us. But we, our answer will be received from a mixed gospel. And that will make you unstable in all your ways. Your ways will not be in... Let's take money for instance. Going through a difficult time financially, and and now you say to the Lord, Lord, what must I do? And you've always believed in the grace message, and now, now you're actually a bit afraid. So you think, you know, I, I know there are also biblical principles of giving and stuff, and maybe I've veered away from that a bit, and I've just believed God's going to be good. And now I'm going through a difficult time. So what now? What now, Lord? And now you're going with, I uh, um, they they maybe there's some principles, and maybe there's grace, and. We go with this thing to, in our hearts towards God and now we want an answer about our situation from that perspective. Let me tell you something. God will first address your unbelief in your heart and he will say to you, my son, let me just show you the message of grace that you can come from a heart of only expecting an answer from grace. And that's how we walk as mature Christians. Amen. Now... Um, so a double-minded man that's unstable in all his ways is not a bad man and God hates him. No, it's just a man that sometimes just come and I've been double-minded in my life. I've had... Uh, man, I remember when I asked God about crusades and outreaches and, um, you know, reaching thousands of people, I would say, oh God, give me wisdom and how to reach millions. And I would have a grace message in my heart because God wants to save people. I, but I also had a thing in my in my life that... Big equals the blessing of God. And you know, when you've got that in your heart, you hear so many things and you get so many strategies, but those strategies are not actually from God. Later on in hindsight, you can see what God said during the whole thing and you can can see the thread of God's love all through it. But practically right there, you, you are hearing mixture because the one thing is your work. You will have a message of works and righteousness in your answer which will make you unstable. And you find instability. Then you have this vision, then it doesn't work. Then you have that vision, and you fall around, and you feel frustrated. So I want to encourage you, and I want to say to you, whenever you go to God, let us not make nothing of the basic principles of the gospel. Let us not make nothing of the doctrine of repentance from dead works, faith towards God, repentance from dead works, repenting from trying to be justified by the law. Faith towards God, trusting that God will bring forth holiness and righteousness in me and not me by my own works. Uh, Of the resurrection, of judgment and of the baptism where we've been united with Christ in the baptism of Jesus when he died and was raised and explaining all of those things. So uh, we don't move away from the basics when we ask for wisdom thinking there's something more. We just, God is just showing us, and He will show us by the power of this basics, inside our heart and in our mind, on what to do in everyday life. Glory to God. And it's not always going to be an answer where you get a three-point plan when God says, go and do this, go and do this, and go and do that. I think when God tells you, go and do this, go and do that, and go and do that, it, it, is, a, it is a very powerful way, but I don't think it's the most powerful way of answering a question. The best way God answers me is by working in me to will and to do. Where I just feel in my heart, I don't want to do this thing anymore. Spoke to another man today, uh, yesterday. He said to me, Bats, I've got two farms. And you know what? I just feel in my heart. I said to the Lord, Lord, uh, what about the future? And he just came from a real grace perspective speaking to God about his farms. And he just, he just failed to sell on one of his farms. And who knows if there comes a drought? who knows what's going to happen, he just feels that, God didn't say to him, go and sell your farm, and now it's a command in God, and he he must do it, and if he doesn't do it, he's in trouble, it is all of a sudden just, I feel I want to do this, it will be difficult for me to keep the farm, you know, uh, uh, that is another person that I spoke to, he felt to buy a farm, it is just the way God works with each one of us, from this perspective of grace, so the mature Christian is the one that, sticks to the gospel of grace and meditates and ponders upon it wherein the gospel of grace bring, bring forth life in him. Amen. So, Paul didn't say that the mature Christian is the Christian that knows everything. He says the, because he said, if you were mature, I could teach you more. That's what he said in Hebrews 6. He says, I want to teach you more, but you're not mature. You are not making use of grace in your life. You're making use of grace and law. You are still babes, but if you only make use of grace in your life, you're mature enough to understand what I'm trying to communicate with you. That's what he's saying. Now, let me end off, I'm not going to get into James chapter 2, we're ending off with this. He comes and he explains, he says, let the poor man say, thank God I'm exalted, and let the rich man say, um, thank God I've been made nothing. And that just shows the mixture gospel. He said, because... because the Jews went back to the old Judaism system wherein they would define their life by the blessings of Deuteronomy 28. And uh, he said, rather say, you know, that there's no difference between rich and poor. Uh, In other words, we are not defined by our obedience or the blessings of the law. We're defined by the resurrection of Jesus. Um, There's so much to say upon this, but I I, I don't want to go into all of that. It says here in verse 22, and this was also one of the questions I had. The Bible says there, but be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. And we get the idea that a doer of the word is a mature Christian. And that's exactly right. A doer of the word is a mature Christian. and uh, We should just not um, confuse a doer of the word um, with a doer of the scripture. It's a big difference. A doer of the Scripture is, some, is the Pharisee, because he wanted to do what he believed the Word of God was, which was the Scriptures. When the woman was caught in the act of adultery, and he said, the Scriptures said that we should stone her, but Word of God, what do you say? And they wanted to be doers of the Word, and the doers of the Word they wanted to be was doers of this Bible, and the Scriptures that's written here. But that is not the Word. To be a doer of the Word is, we need to ask ourselves, what is the Word? The Bible says that before time, God promised his message was, I will give you eternal life. That is the word of God. It's the word of his righteousness and his equitable deed when he comes to save man. The message that Jesus was raised from the dead and that life and immortality has come to light through the good news of the resurrection. That is the word. The word that we are not under the law, the word that our sin was conquered by one man, the word that Jesus was raised from the dead, conquered and conquered even death, the word that we are co-seated with Christ in God, the word that there's no the separation between Jew and Gentile anymore, it's not an us and them anymore, the word of the innocence of all people, the word wherein God declares justification as something he will bring forth by the resurrection power of Christ, the word of our union between God and the Father, now co-seatedness with Jesus uh, in the Godhead, that word, be a doer of that word, how are you a doer of that word? In the very same way as what you are, uh, when you use the slang and you say those people are doing cocaine, it means they are partakers of it. They're making use of it. And he comes and he explains exactly what a doer of the word is. And this is what he says. He says, um, I missed the scripture here. Sorry about that. Verse 22, he says, But be ye doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. So what he means is, if you hear this message, you're not grabbing a hold of it, and you see yourself fully included of it, you're just hearing it, but you don't come to a place where you say, I see this as the only truth in my life, and I'm making use of this as the absolute truth in my life. says, you are just deceiving yourself. For if any man be a hearer of the word and not a doer, in other words, if he's immature, he is like unto a man beholding his natural face in glass or in a mirror, for he beholds himself and he goes his way and straightway forgets what kind of man he was. Are you seeing how all of this just comes together? (laughs) Glory to God. A doer of the word or somebody who is a mature Christian that's skilled in the word of righteousness. is somebody that looks into the perfect law of liberty and continue to look therein and he doesn't forget what kind of man he is. And then he says, this man shall be blessed in what he does. What did he do? He looked into the mirror. Let me say that again. He who looks into the law of liberty. What is the law of liberty? It is the principle of perfect liberation from sin and death. What is that law? It's the law of life in Christ Jesus. What is it? It is simply the principle that says, If one man can come and take the death of all, and take it out of the way, be raised up from the dead, And these people alive would believe upon that man. The spirit that raised this man from the dead shall indwell them and also raise them up in the fruit of the spirit and eternal life. That is it. He who looks into that perfect law of liberation. What's the law of liberation? It is the law that teaches us faith towards God. The repentance from dead works, going away from the law system, the resurrection, the judgment and the baptisms and what it all means because all of that spells our liberation. So as we look into that, not as we look into the law and are in need of this anymore, but as we look into that and study that out and enjoy that and have a life based on that and we look into that, what, what does the Bible say? You shall be blessed in what? In that deed. What deed? Looking by the deed of looking into the perfect law of liberation. That is it. So I want to say to you, a mature Christian uh, is somebody who looks into the perfect law of liberation. A mature Christian is not a Christian who knows everything. We have confused people that know a lot of scripture and that has been many places, preached many places, men of God or people that's been Christians for a long time we have confused them with mature Christians. A Mature Christian is not somebody who is skilled in the law or skilled in demonology or skilled in all those kind of things, even eschatology or whatever, but somebody who is skilled in applying basic principles in their life, which is the simple gospel of grace that lives by that grace. Paul says, I so wish that I can teach you more. So in other words, if you were already skilled in this word, I could teach you more. Glory to God. Now I want to say to you, church, and I end off with this. Let us stand in the basic principles, the basic gospel all the time and move away from all forms of law and continue to look into the law of liberty because I feel in my heart, I want us to move on uh, and talk about, things as pertaining to the order of Melchizedek, things as pertaining to life and the application of these things in everyday life, where we find the church having this good news as the basic principle from where they live, from where we counsel, from where we reach out and from where we just live our lives. So we can go on and not every time when something is said that is more into the area of liberation that everybody's first up in arms about things but that we can continue and experience that which Christ has come to do for us. Glory to God. So I want to say to all of you out there, um, and I mean we've got so many of you folk that are uh, walking in maturity, and those of you that are still in need of milk, I want to say this to you, it's not a shame. It's not a shame. Maybe you by this time ought to have been a teacher. I don't want to say shame on you. I want to say unto you, listen, get out of that. Because that system is going to destroy you and continue to kill you. It's killed you for 20 years and it's not going to change. Um, Maybe you are afraid and you say, you know, if I grab all this good news and I really show forth that this is my life, then some people I'll be ridiculed, I'll be mocked, my family might reject me and all those kind of things. I want to say to you, if you think that way, the trustworthiness of this basic gospel is so powerful that it will even give you wisdom. In that. Take that step of faith. Glory to God. So know that you are loved. If you sit here and you just a, a, a babe, I want to tell you, you are so loved. Uh, you are so welcome. Uh, y- you don't irritate anybody. It is just a thing of, listen, this is life. It, the only frustrating thing there can be is when uh, a mature person see how the continual old thing, continuing the old thing, f- kills you. But you are beautiful. You are acceptable. Glory to God. And we so many times, we don't want to hear that we don't know it all because, if we, because we grew up in a world of you must always be the best and if someone else can teach you something, that means uh, that guy's actually better than you and all of that. That's just law. We don't live by that. There's so much I'm, I, I still have to learn. Uh, Even this year I said I'm going to stay at home and and I'm not going to travel so much. I will travel and if I feel in my heart to go somewhere then I will get on that airplane and I'll do it. But uh, because it will be desire in my heart. But I just felt I want to give myself this year to studying, And I want to give myself to study and prayer and just continue to look into this good news in every area of scripture that I can understand more of the goodness of God. Glory to God. It's not a shame to learn something. Amen. I want to thank you so much for watching, and I want to thank everybody that has watched here. That you allow me to serve you. I want to thank everybody that um, that's part of this ministry and that's just internet evangelists and going around sharing these messages. Thank you for doing that. Use the boldness, share this message. Yeah, but what if they know that I've shared this message that Baptist Brits preaches and whatever? Listen, right there in front, this the trustworthiness of the faith of the good news will raise up a power inside you. And those who see this can, might just be so blessed. Who knows? It's up to them to grab it or not. So I want to thank you that you go around sharing this message. And I also, from the depth of my heart, want to thank everybody that faithfully gives towards this ministry. It's just wonderful to see how you faithfully give. And our people have been supporting this ministry for a long time. And, and um, I just want to say this from my heart. You know, Some people giving $10, $20, $30 a month faithfully I want to just thank you guys I see your heart and it is wonderful uh, to see that and I just wanted to express my appreciation for what you are doing so it doesn't matter what you give Um, if some people give once a year it it doesn't matter I just want to say especially now those people that give faithfully that have been given for so many years and that even if it's just I mean $10 $20 $5 people giving faithfully I thank you for that Um, it's such a blessing I just see that grace that has brought forth that fruit in your life and really blesses me thank you so much everybody and i will see you then again in the week in the short messages we bring up and i'm looking forward to seeing uh, a lot of you on wednesday in our discipleship program god bless